You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cherry's World. So I have a real treat for you guys today. I am kind of going to let you in on one of my friendships. His name is Mr. Farah Gray. He is known as one of the most influential black men in America. He is one of the top five best-selling black authors in the world. He is a celebrity entrepreneur and he's also a fashion designer. He happens to have the best heart and the most gorgeous smile of anybody you will ever see. This is Cherry's World. Question. Are you tired of unsanitary work facilities like restrooms, break rooms, maybe even sitting at your desk with your allergies flaring up because the dust all around you is so thick you can write your name in it? Well, look no more. The answers to all your needs is here. We here at Special Care Janitorial have been servicing the Dallas Metroplex for over 11 years with a list of satisfied clients, small family-owned businesses, and large corporations we stand on giving the type cleaning your mother would approve of. If you're seeking the cleaning with care, visit our website today at www.specialcarejanitorial.com or reach out to one of our consultants at 469-772-0164. And always remember, you're special because we care. Welcome to Cherry's World. All right, Cherry, before uh, Farrah Gray calls in, just want to get your opinion on a few hot topics, uh, a couple trending topics that's been happening. And also, let's start with uh, like, what be going on in your Instagram inbox, like when people be sliding your DMs. Nobody's box is not really popping. I mean, I do get some attention, so I'm not over here like Aisha Curry. Y'all don't need to hit me up in my inbox to be good. But my inbox is full of people who want to commit suicide. And for some reason, they reach out to me. It scares the shit out of me. I'm not a pre- I'm not trained. Right. And I'm not politically correct. So, depending upon how I'm feeling at that time, I really have to watch what's going to come out of my mouth because I don't want somebody else's life in my hands. And I opened up my inbox today and there was a young man who just, life wasn't going right, you know, but I was trying to explain to him that there's always a better choice and everybody has bad days and if we live upon, you know, today, 
I promise you tomorrow might not be better, but in a couple weeks, if you find it well. You know what? This is real tough for me. I think I might have told you about this. Um, my wife's cousin c- committed suicide and she lived in L.A. And then we talked to her mother and she said that the, they had to push back the funeral because they had like an overload of people killing themselves in L.A. Somebody just killed herself in L.A. today. You know, going in your inbox sometimes is like getting raped because once you see stuff, you can't unsee it. You don't necessarily know what you're going to see. Yeah. There was a man, a young man, who was 30 years old. He climbed up on top of a crane over top of the subway and just let himself drop. So as I'm sitting there waiting to see what I'm going to watch, I just watched a young man lose his life. Wait, they sent that to you? They sent it in my inbox, and I didn't know what I was watching. I guess they're saying it's like the new thing all over YouTube. Oh, wow. Extremely heartbroken. You know, because maybe one... 10 minute conversation with him could have changed everything. Right. And you know what? Like, it's just about me growing up because when we first started the, the other podcast, oh man, I feel like, feel like shit even telling you this story, but no, um, I mean, now, um, where I, when I first started, I was, when I first started at General Motors, I was 19. I worked around a bunch of grown ups, like a bunch of old ass men. And, I didn't never work in a factory like this before. So I was doing something and the boss said, you got to be the dumbest cocksucker I ever met. Why don't you just kill yourself and start over? So it was just like, you know, at the time I was pissed off, but then after a while I just said, you know what, I'm going to make it a a segment. I ended ended up making it a segment for our show. Then next thing you know, people just started killing themselves. Oh my God. So I started feeling guilty about it and I so we I said I'm not gonna use that no more everybody else still likes it I'm just like then my you know cousin of ours killed himself it was just I didn't know it was like a big thing like that because like you know I you know what era I grew up in we we roasted each other we made fun of each other it was nothing was serious like that no it was like we talked to each other like that I feel guilty right now like I told one of my exes nigga kill yourself and kick rocks See? He's still one of my best friends. He wasn't gonna kill himself. Right. But it's <laughs> a different era, so I, I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to react to that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I grew up in an era where, like I said, I'm not politically correct. I try to work on being politically correct. I am a huge supporter of the uh, LB. G, whatever it is right. uh, that they call it now, movement. I support my gay brothers and sisters. Like, you don't even believe, but I grew up in an era where calling somebody those names wasn't derogatory. Or right. They, they weren't calling them gay yeah. by saying those words. Right. But now it's a big deal. You know, my little brother's gay, and I'm very proud of him. Mm-hmm. And um, shit. People been calling me gay since I was in elementary school. For real? I've neither confirmed or denied. I like I like the females in my inbox just I like the men in my inbox. Same, same. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, I, I wanted to ask you. Well, you, I, I wanted to ask you some, something else though that I saw, and yeah. I actually I, I don't know if I'll save it for somebody else. Uh, save it for the other girl if she calls in, but um, it's a story. And I know you want to talk about the abortion stuff as well, yeah. but um, 
it's a story. Oh man, hold on. here we go. This is a story. It's uh, Marlena Ochoa Lopez was promised a stroller and oh. baby clothes. And you heard about this? That's that little girl. They took the baby out of her stomach. Oh, so you heard about this? See, yeah. I just heard about this happened in Chicago. Yes, heartbroken. So, now, at first, when I first heard it, because I didn't read the article. I was like, well, it's probably one of those mental people, you know, mental health issues. So, but then I found out it was three people together that came up with this idea to do this. Yeah. And I just sitting back like, okay, so nobody said this ain't a good idea. That's the part I didn't understand. I just don't understand that they want the baby or was the baby a sacrifice because I couldn't get through the story. Because I was heartbroken. They promised her clothes and a baby stroller and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, young mothers sometimes don't have a lot of money. What you know, is, so you sacrifice? What do you mean by sacrifice? Like a human sacrifice. Did they sacrifice her and her child? What was the purpose hmm. for cutting the baby out of its womb? Did they want a baby to raise? Was it human trafficking? Mm. Or was she a sacrifice of the lamb? Like, what was the motive of... Damn, see, I didn't even think about all that. I was thinking oh. that, because I've heard of issues where a woman has said she was pregnant and she really wasn't, so they... Because actually, from, from what I read, she actually called the police and said that she delivered the baby or something like that. So she made it... I think she was trying to keep the baby. So that's why I said it sounded like some crazy shit. But then I didn't know that it was two other people with her. So I'm thinking to myself, like, how three people get together and think to, think to do something like that? That's the part that really messed me up. Wasn't it two women and one man? Wow. See, I didn't know that. There used to be a time where you would think, oh, women wouldn't do anything like that. Women have no empathy nowadays. There's, there's no empathetic, that mother syndrome or whatever. Everybody ain't got it. Yeah, I, I did. The, I did a question like that to a group, a group of guys, and I said, uh, "True, false, or and fathers have gotten better over time, and mothers have gotten worse." And everybody like, "Yeah, I think you got true. I think you." Think That's true. I, I I didn't hear. I didn't know of a time because like I got buddies whose moms just to <laughs> funny to pursue Hollywood. They. Had kids and was like, I don't want to be a mother no more. And they actually dropped the kids off with the dad and was like, <laughs> and was gone for like 16 years. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I couldn't imagine either. Having kids made me run from Hollywood. You know, I, my biggest thing is I want my kids raised in that environment. Yeah. That, that's, I, I had never heard of that either, like of women doing it. And I, and I know that sounds sexist, like, but I just never seen women do stuff like that. I always thought like, look at women as like, you know, like mother, you know, mothers. I just can't see how somebody can carry. Now, let's get to the, to the abortion question. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that in Alabama? I want to read you a couple of memes that I saw. I actually, I think it's disgusting. I think it's disgusting that anybody feels like they have the right to tell somebody else what to do with their body. Right. Men do not have uteruses. You don't know what it's like to have to carry a child. I almost died trying to get mine here, okay? And I was in the choice. You know, are you sure you want to do this? Or are you okay with being on bed rest for seven months, dealing with heart meds and contractions for seven months? Right. Um, Nobody can tell somebody 
what's best for them. If they're going to tell somebody that they cannot have an abortion, you also need to tell them that their baby will have health care, their baby will have a loving family to raise them, that their baby will not grow up and be homeless or hungry. Right. So I think that all comes hand in hand. Pro-life, great. Just because I'm pro-choice doesn't mean I'm not pro-life. Right. Let's take care of some of the black kids that are already here. Do you know how many black children do not get adopted and do not have homes? Right. We can't even give our kids free lunches in school no more. They just fired a lady for giving a kid a free lunch. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. It, this is where I stand on it. And I agree totally with, with you on that. Like, I don't think that men should have any say. When I found out, it was like, what was it, like 14 men that, that made that decision? Yes. See, I don't think that men should make that have anything to do with that. The reason why is... My my when my wife was pregnant with uh my first child, my daughter. Um, like I this is gonna sound crazy. I didn't know any of this stuff. So she said, I think I'm spotting. You I'm I know you know what that means. I didn't know what that meant. So this was like a month into it. So we went to the the uh, ER because I didn't know what that meant. And I saw the heart just going like this. It was like a month in. I was like, oh wow. But the fact, I mean, so I knew that was life right there, but still the fact that I didn't know nothing of what the nurse, the doctors was talking about, lets me know that men, and I know as other men just like me who's stupid, just like me, we shouldn't be making decisions about any of that because we don't know. We don't know and understand just like you. My wife went through all that stuff and I didn't, I, I didn't do nothing. You know what I mean? So we shouldn't be making none of those decisions at all. I don't think we should make any of those decisions, have any say on that. Thank you. We don't know. Thank you. you men don't know. And they're still listening there. They say men don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Men do have a choice. You might not have a choice, but you have an option. Right. Many men don't stay there. How come we have so many fatherless children? Right. You know, they say, well, you can put him on child support. That don't mean you're going to get no money. One of my homegirls actually gets $4.30 oh. a month. Damn, what is that four dollars and thirty cents gonna do? I'd rather get nothing. Right, that's what she said. She said she feels like it's a direct slap in the face. I want to read you something though. That um, all right. So I'm gonna just tell you the whole thing. So two years ago, I started a He Too movement as a spoof on our podcast, and I didn't realize people take everything serious. So this this listener didn't realize it was a spoof, but he. So this is what he sent me. He said. Uh, hey, can, CB, can you add the women of Alabama to the He Too movement? This is on Instagram. He sent me a message. I said, explain your theory. So he said, to put it simply, under any circumstances, a man impregnates a woman, whether sober, drugged, or intoxicated, knowingly or unknowingly, if she chooses to have that baby, you are now a father and will take care of that baby financially. Now, the same system that will throw the father in jail if he didn't meet his obligations, a.k.a. man up, the same system is now telling these women, if you get pregnant, you can't, you can't and get an abortion. If you do, they will get locked up. So I, he says, I've been asking females how they feel about the ban to see how they feel about. But I explained how men have been subjected to this for years and they get quiet. What you think about that statement? First of all, I'm not going to get quiet. If a man doesn't want to have a baby, have a vasectomy. 
use birth control, put a condom on. Nobody is setting you up. I hear men all the time, oh, she got me, she set me up. No, you set yourself up to say you stuck your rod in her. I'm sorry to be blatantly honest. You know you did it. I know you did it. I, I, don't, I don't understand how it's the same. Now, he chose to do that, right? Sometimes men lie. They start with the condom on, condoms disappear. What happens to the woman who the condom disappears? Hmm. She went into it thinking she was protected. She went into it thinking, he got my back, but he nutted in her anyway. Right. Or they both had a mistake and the condom breaks. True. And she thinks, well, it's not that weak. It's not possible. So I don't need to go get the morning after pill because there's only a, supposed to be a certain window when you're fertile. She doesn't go get her morning after pill and then guess what? That's She's it. two and a half, three months pregnant before she knows it, and she don't even know where old Johnny is. Yeah. And Johnny? that's why I said men shouldn't be making, because like you said, oh. you tell me. <laughs> uh, what you think about this meme I saw on D.O. Hughley's uh, social media? He said, breaking news, women don't like the government forcing them to be mothers. They only want government to force men to be fathers. You know what? I think that there's something that should happen. When people get pregnant, I think there should be paperwork that's done. Okay. And men that don't want to be fathers can say, I am signing over my parental rights. The problem is men don't sign over their parental rights. They just don't want to pay for it. They want to come and go as they please. Uh, okay. But if they would sit down when a kid was born and handle their business as men and say, I don't want to have anything to do with this kid. You decided to have this baby, it's on you. Let me sign away my parental rights. You sign away your parental rights, I can't come after you for child support. Really? Really. I didn't know that. I thought, I, you, I didn't know that at all. How do you think it happens when women get married to a man, right? And then the yeah. man wants to adopt the child? Right, yeah, that's true. The yeah. man wants to adopt the child, you are no longer financially responsible because some other man done adopted your child. That is true, yeah. And I don't know if it works like that in every state. No, you're right. It does. But I'm sure there's a legal loophole where if you sign over your parental rights, you don't have to pay child support. But that doesn't mean you can come. What, what men do is they get pissed off, they got to pay a little $350 a month, right? Right. And then, so, they don't want nothing to do with their child for three years. And then they want to bring a birthday present. You want to buy a $20 birthday present at Target and show up like, Daddy loves you. That's not love, Daddy. Right. Because this baby had to eat. This baby needed health care. This baby needed formula, pampers, clothes, and shelter. True. And Daddy want to show up every three years and take a birthday present and be Daddy of the Year. That's not how this world works. What you think about this other meme I saw? How did abortions get banned faster than assault rifles? That's real. Yeah. What we really need, oh, you want me to get really real? Yeah. Let's talk about terrorists. Yeah. The biggest terrorist that ever happened in the United States happens to be the white man. Why we don't ban them? <laughs> Why they don't need extra certain papers to be here? Because they come over here every day and there's no problem. Right. There's no immigration problem with them. The only immigration problem is people who are brown. True. Even Asian people aren't having an immigration issue. Right. If you're Hispanic or black, yeah, I'm going there. Yeah. It's a problem. 
But every wife that Trump done had ain't got no problem being here. Yeah, that's a whole nother box of worms right there. And now you, box of worms. And, and you said that you actually been to, Mar, what's it called, Mar, Mar-a-Lago? Mar- Not only have I been to Mar-a-Lago, but my, a film that I did called 75, we had a, a party at Mar-a-Lago to celebrate us going to the West Palm Beach Film Festival. What, what is Mar-a-Lago? Because I don't even know. What it is. is that his house? Or is that Mar-a-Lago his was a home that was bought for his ex-wife and is half named after her. Marla Maples. Mar-a-Lago. So is it, you said it's a, it's a house? It's a beautiful house, yeah. Wow. And him and his current wife go there now, right? Yeah. And his wife, his ex-wife is not there no more? No. Marla's oh, okay. not there. Marla lives in California. Oh, okay. So it was just named after her. Oh, okay. It's named after her because that's who it was purchased for when they were together, where he was trying to get her. Speaking of his wife now, even she ain't from here. Yeah, right. She just and her parents is trying to get partnered or whatever. Yeah, it was one the chain. She their parents, her parents is part of that chain migration. You see the look on my face. Talk about <laughs> immigration. What about all these babies that have been chained up in these cages and they're being raped? Let's talk about this. A lot of these little kids are being raped, right? What happens if one of those little immigrant girls get pregnant by one of these officers? They're not allowed to have an abortion, so who's going to take care of these babies? Wow. Because the United States says that they're not responsible for their rapes. You know that, right? I didn't know that. The United States says they're not responsible for them being raped while they're in the custody of the United States. Because they weren't supposed to be here in their eyes? Right. Charlemagne the God said this morning on The Breakfast Club, he said this... uh, abortion law was put together because by 2045 um the white population will be the minority so so if you ban abortions that means white women who get the most abortions uh it will stop depopulation that's what he said it'll help multiply themselves and that's the thinking of the people who live in alabama who also come 50th in the nation when it comes to education right Okay, but yes, they are terrified because Brown will no longer be the minority in this country. Yeah. But the thing that's crazy is Brown people have never had the same hearts that white people have. By far, we're way more empathetic. Yeah. So just because they made us slaves, I don't know a black person alive who would own a white slave, honestly. This is Cherry's World. A natural detox can improve everybody's overall health. If you are suffering from obesity, high blood pressure, lupus, diabetes, fibromyalgia, diverticulitis, or if you need to improve your heart health, a natural detoxification can help you. Are you interested in some anti-aging or some Alzheimer's prevention? Hit us up at www.teamcherryj.com. Welcome to Cherry's World. Mr. Fargray, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, no doubt. That's so, um, yeah, one of the biggest things, and, and you started the interview off with us just having a conversation. You were like congratulating me and encouraging me. I noticed every interview you did, you always gave props to other people 
Um, do you feel like gratitude is a window of abundance? I do. Here's why. Uh, I'm actually a fan of excellence and success. And a lot of people believe, especially if they've reached any level of success, you know, they think it's always about them and that we're so special. Because we're told we're special. We're told, I mean, the opportunities when people know who you are all the way from restaurants being closed to opening up the kitchen for you to the chief of police meeting you at the airport and giving you a police escort like you're a fucking Barack Obama. Uh, You know, uh, so it's quite interesting that, you know, people allow to go to their head, and I don't because I don't believe that I'm special. I believe that we were called to do special things. Many are called, uh, few are chosen. And, um, you know, as far as the compliments for you, it is true. You know, it's truly a fact that, you know, like I said, you represented, um, you know, so well, uh, black people. Uh, and, and that's the key thing. As I would say to us, you know, listen, don't act a goddamn fool because one black person somewhere can embarrass black folks everywhere. Unfortunately, that's what they'll highlight. I mean, they will literally, you're, you're not headline news until you fuck up. That's so true. That is so true. It's like you didn't talk about none of this. You didn't talk about any of the positive things I've done. Let me be looking crazy. Let me have some false allegations. All of a sudden, bam, I'm headline news. Shit, I didn't know I was that important. <laughs> but it's always important to exploit, you know. I, um, and this is, of course, controversy when I look at the R. Kelly and Bill Cosby situation. And I have no sympathy for them whatsoever, especially... Uh, R. Kelly, you know, growing up in Chicago, right. uh, I heard these these horror stories. Um, and if he is, in fact, as wrong as I believe in my heart that he is, I've been hearing these stories way before they hit the headlines, then let's go after everybody. And again, it's important to have the same energy. Absolutely. However, living in Vegas, we, you know, everybody wants to praise Elvis Presley. Huh. You know, where's the accountability, accountability for... Harvey Weinstein, Woody Allen, I mean, the list goes on and on. But what I've always said to brothers, and I had this experience when I spoke at uh, the Potter's House, T.D. Jakes' church, and he said to me something very profound, but simple. He said, uh, this is after I spoke, he said, here's my phone number. He said, thank you for coming to speak. He said, and I want to be there for you. And I'm looking like, he said, and I know that sounds strange, he said, because, again, every book, every coaching seminar, everything's about you know, you're becoming successful, but nobody tells you about what happens once you become successful. Yes. How can their damage destroy uh, one's being and how to remain successful? So one of the things that I think is so crucial is not allowing, like I said, uh, yourself to think that you are, uh, that you have white privilege. And yes. I look at politicians and entertainers and they'll do things. We're not held by the same thing. They're going to throw the book at her. Yes. Straight yes. up. You know, so when you know that you are a target and there's an invisible target on your back, and I always say that we may not be at war, but we're definitely in a war. Yes. You may not be fight, yes. but you're in war. Absolutely. You know, when I was looking and researching you last night, I was like, you know what? Everybody wants to be a millionaire, but nobody wants to put in the work. And then I asked you, what was your favorite book that you wrote? And you told me, Realionaire, which I purchased on Amazon, and I'm waiting for it to be delivered to me on Monday. 
what is your definition of billionaire? It's somebody who was rich from the inside out. Uh, growing up, I just wanted to be rich. And I thought that whether I was watching the Cosby show or whether I was watching Family Matters, <laughs> I wanted uh, to live in a home. You know, I, I, and a lot of people don't understand that this concept. They say, oh, okay, you must have grown up with money because of who your father was. Well, <laughs> my father was a black activist and revolutionary, so he never had any money. Uh, known all over the world, you know, he believed in putting in the work. In fact, I, some days, I don't even think he liked money. I was like, "Dad, you know, we <laughs> we need to eat, right? Did you forget that part? <laughs> but my mom left my father uh, because of his overdrive and, and uh, I would say, primary focus on the freedom and independence of our people. And we've seen it with the family members of most revolutionaries. They suffered. You know, I would never see my father. If I did it maybe one or two times a year when he was at a speaking engagement. So when my mom had left him, she was working overtime, double time, triple time. And um, she had two back-to-back heart attacks. So to me, it was all about, okay, we could just make some money. We can make some money. But then I started getting confused and realizing that the money was all right. But the problem I had was the fact that people with money and success were getting pulled over for DUI. They were jumping out windows. They were just really on a self-sabotage mission. So I'm like, wait a minute. So money is not going to cure everything. Money is not happy. And I realized that, you know, what they had built in their outer world with money and popularity is more what they had built themselves to be in their outer world. And they had a lopsided success. So for me, success has always been about being rich from the inside out. Um, you know, when you visit third world countries, they don't have money, but they have love. A lot of them have happiness. They have family. They have health. Uh, and we have it so twisted. So to me, it's about really having, of course, the inner wealth, which I believe that many times can result in the outer wealth as well. So that's what a billionaire is. I love Somebody it. who's rich from the inside out. You are the perfect combination of your parents. Your mother was extremely hardworking and your father was dedicated and passionate. I don't know if you, you realize it, but you've definitely got your hardworking thing from your mom, but you are still doing your father's work. You're just yes, doing it at, at a different level. And if I think if somebody would have tweaked your daddy's mindset, I know he's so proud of you right now. Well, you know what I'm so thankful for, honestly, is the fact, and I thank you for that. And, and um, I always ask myself daily, I'm like, did dad smile in the day? Oh, yes. But um, he got a chance to see at least a couple years before he passed. Uh, he died when I was 16. And um, it was quite interesting because um, I hadn't seen him like all year. And I called him and I was like, look, he was like, uh-oh. I said, you get ready to get one of my lectures. I said, listen, you can't be out here saving the world. And you ain't seen your own son if ever. I said, look, where you at? You in Atlanta? All right, I'm coming. I'm going to be there for a whole month. I'm going to set up. I'm going to get work done. And he was like, okay, okay. All right, all right. Sounds good, sounds good. Um, I said, so, yeah. So anyway, I was able to cook his, his uh, birthday dinner, his last birthday dinner for him. Got him his cake and some gifts and all of that good stuff. So I got to spend a whole month with him. But what do you say before he died? He said, you know, son, you're, you're a man now. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? He didn't know that I had actually, <laughs> which has nothing to do with manhood at all, not even a little bit. 
but the, the funny part of that story was I actually uh, lost my virginity at his house. <gasps> unbeknownst to him. <laughs> uh, when he was gone that same week, I'm like, oh, shit, what does he know? Uh, I was dating this uh, young lady. She's about five or six years older than me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, to make a long story short, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, a much deeper meaning because he used to always talk about a spiritual rites of passage. You know, the Jewish community, they have, of course, their bar mitzvahs and they deal with manhood training. And I think that's so important for black men to uh, be fathers, not just fathers to your own children, but I have a lot of uh, young brothers that if they call me, it's like, what do you need? What can I do? Um, you know, I created a scholarship foundation for those who are voted least likely to succeed. Wow. Uh, as well as young sisters as well. You know, that that actually, my, my attention is split because what I found was a lot of my schools and programs uh, were so geared to young black men and there weren't enough images outside of the ratchetness that they were seeing because black youth only grow up to be what they can see. That's so true. And what the system puts out there is billions. I mean, it's literally a multi-multi-trillion dollar industry as it relates to keeping our people deaf, dumb, and blind. And the challenge I have with that is that it's big business for them. And we don't understand it. Once we stand up, once we reject the status quo, um, our people will truly have, um, you know, freedom and independence. But some would say, well, what does that mean? Well, we, you know, I look at even the gangsters, we claim blocks and streets that we don't even own. That's so true. You know, it's Section 8 half the time. You know, the businesses in our community are not owned by us. Our community gets poor and poor, and other people's communities get richer and richer. So, you know, I, I think that it, it, it's very deep, and uh, I thank you for that compliment. And a lot of people sometimes don't see the fact that, like Paul Robinson said, you know, the battlefield is everywhere. So whether you are a writer who loves your people, um, a uh, you know actor, actress, in love with your people, attorney, social worker, whatever you do, entertain, regardless, you have to have a passion. And loving your people, we're taught that in society, as soon as we start talking about our own, because last time I checked, tigers take care of tigers, dogs take care of dogs, cats take care of cats. But when it comes to us, soon as we have any love for each other, we are anti this. And I tell people all the time, I don't have time to be anti anything. I have too much work to do at home with my people uh, to be anti anybody. I'm not even worried about what they're doing. Beautiful. And I love that you never care. Whatever your platform is, you don't care. You speak from your heart. You speak what you believe in and you don't waver. And I appreciate that. Like you don't, oh, well, you know, the Hilton or the Marriott might feel some way about me speaking to my people. That doesn't change who you are. And, and that's what bothers me about, and that's why a lot of politicians and the couple that are actually running for president uh, on the Democratic team, and so particularly some of the Republican side as well, um, a lot of them have had their people reach out to me and they're like, oh, who are you going to endorse? I'm like, look, unless I see an agenda, especially with the black politicians, I don't want to hear shit about voting for anybody that doesn't have a black agenda. Huh. If you don't want to exercise the uh, government agencies, if you don't want to discuss 
uh, reparations, if you don't want to fix our community, uh, one of the other businesses that I own, I own a lot of property in the hood because I believe that we have to buy the, uh, buy the block back. Um, and the majority of the people I've been buying properties from, again, don't look like us. And they're slumlords versus landlords. Absolutely. Um, and I encourage our people, and I also offer uh, in-house financing. I don't want to just collect rent money from you. I have uh, an opportunity where they can actually end up buying the properties from me after they paid so much by way of rent, you know, through land contracts, uh, you know, lease to own type situation. So, uh, no, I, I believe that, you know, so many of us have voted for politicians that didn't have, you know, a black agenda. And so many of us are so, my dad and I actually used to talk about this. He would say, you know, son, the interesting thing, and this is with different celebrities and, and, and key people, he was saying that there's so much pressure when you decide to embrace a certain person, figure, ideology, or even listen to someone that, uh, that, that they don't approve of, or you start to speak up on behalf of your people, all of a sudden they hit you where it hurts financially. You lose your deals, you lose your opportunities, Hollywood won't call you back, they don't want to give you this part, that part. However, again, and, I, and I've seen you preach this as well, that we need to start pr- becoming producers as well. Absolutely. That way you don't have to wait on anybody else to hire you. That's right. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Okay. So I also read that you're semi-retired. Is that true? I am. Yeah. Um, I started so early. Um, I think that people retire too late in life. Uh, too late in life. Excuse me. Too late in life. Um, that it's important to retire as early as possible. So I'm semi-retired. But, um, but yeah, I enjoy the semi-retired life. Now, semi-retired... Just properly invested my money. I was going to say, you're semi-retired with like seven businesses, though. <laughs> but the key is they're all ran by other people. I love it. So what are your retirement yeah. plans? More philanthropy, more giving back. You know, as they say, you never... We'll find a Brinks truck following a hearse. You can't take it with you. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm not leaving it to a cat or a dog. Um, <laughs> you know, I want to improve some lives while I'm still alive and while I can. Mm. Uh, you know, so that that's basically my main thrust. And I think that comes from having so many siblings. I didn't really know what mine was. And I believe to whom much is given, much is required. It's important for us to you know, share gifts, resources. And I mean, that has been, maybe I might be wrong, maybe I give too much, but I don't think I would be right. And you have some people don't give at all, still monetarily successful. And I think that's the difference. Most people look at success as, of course, monetarily, what you have. However, I think it's our health. I think it's our peace of mind. Um, I think that it's being able to go to bed at night knowing, uh, or even when we ultimately, um, you know, make our transition being able to say that I've made a contribution to society. I would say we should all be ashamed to die unless we've made a contribution to society. Are we willing to leave this world uh, more better, you know, better off than where we left it? Awesome. You know, where we found it for that matter. So I think that that's so important to give back. And, and a lot of people just don't see it that way. So my main focus that I retired is just enjoying life, uh, living my best life. Uh, and, and through that, it's also being a catalyst and a resource uh, for others. 
And that, I had one journalist ask me, isn't that like just a cop out for people who have, who have money? I said, well, hmm. I said, well, if the rest of the world would cop out like I'm copping out, I think the world would be a better place. But why don't we all cop out and get back? Let's, let's try that and see how that goes. Yeah. How that improves the world, you know. So people always have some bullshit to say, and uh, you know, and like I say, going back to you, it, it's extremely uh, impressive that you have not lost yourself. I mean, you've been famous your entire life and legendary fame at that. So one of these days, I'm gonna have to, you know, switch over to recording and start interviewing you. <laughs> Silly. Which I plan on possibly doing on live one day. I would love to do that with you. I mean, but it's silly because. In the end of the day, what really is fame? Fame is given to be taken away, and it's just it's just a word. It's so silly. I, I read that you, okay, so I learned something about reading about you last night, that you believe okay. that people invest in people first and the idea secondly. I know once people find out you have money, they come to you with everything. So can you explain to people the theory of what a good investor would be looking for? And how you have to believe in the person before you believe in their idea? Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, I believe that there's no idea dumb enough that you can't get at least a million people to buy it and buy into. So the idea is as relevant as the person to make it happen. Uh, in the world of venture capital, which I come from, we believe that you have to have a grade A team. It's the team that's the engine. They're the ones that can make anything happen as it relates to turning an idea into a bona fide money-making business. So most investors want to know who intelligentsia-wise is behind the concept. So what I always encourage people to do that don't have a lot of money uh, or don't have investors so if you have a great idea, the best thing to do is to approach individuals that are all-stars in particular fields that have an expertise and ask them what they, it's really called, considered a placeholder. Can you utilize their resume, their bio, your business plan? And you work out an agreement that if you are able to secure financing, would they come on board and fill that position at their desired salary compensation package? Uh, that way, when you walk in and you have credentials from individuals that can make literally anything work, um, then ultimately investors feel more confident because a lot of great ideas um, don't go anywhere. Why? Because they don't have the right team behind them. You know, I mean, when you look at whether we like him or not, it was Trump's business acumen. It was Trump, it was uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, and I don't like Trump at all. Um, but the alarming thing is I don't know who can beat him, which is another subject for another time right now because he has fueled such hatred um, hmm. and encouraged um, such, I think he's awakened the KKK mentality. Absolutely. Uh, the alt-right uh, mentality to the point where it, it kind of hurts um, that I don't see anyone on uh, the left that's really too many people. I mean, I see one or two. I take that back. I see at least maybe two that are running that will meet him where he needs to be met. And that was one of the things a lot of people say about my father. They're like, oh, man, Trump wouldn't be that loud if your father was still around. I say, yeah, but, uh, you know, they have a way of, of taking you out quickly. And, of course, my father died a quote-unquote 
mysterious circumstances, but we already know what that's about. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, they, they will take you out immediately. So I think there are other ways to to address and to challenge um, what, what we see today. Um, but yeah, I, I think that overall, um, as it relates to, you know, um, whether it be politics, like we talked about with the black agenda, we talked about with being, you know, pro-black. I'm just really excited and looking towards and for somebody who's really going to have, you know, your best interests at heart. And, and that's going to be quite interesting to see. Me so too. have you seen anybody other yet? No, I, I keep flip-flopping in my mind. Um, I'm looking at two people. I'm waiting to see what comes out of their mouth. It's going to be a real interesting next six months, I think. Yeah, and it's so early, too, so we got time. I hope so. (laughs) You talk so much about how you believe in yourself. So you obviously believe in the power of manifestation, right? Yeah. Did you study the secret? Was the whole theory introduced to you by somebody how did you learn manifestation so early? It was. Um, I was in the room listening to whether it be Malcolm X or Reverend Ike out in New York. So that's all that was pretty much discussed was regardless of his circumstances, regardless of what you don't have, regardless of what you see, that as Paul said, this faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So, and Einstein said, your imagination is a preview of life's coming attraction. So, I think that it's very important uh, to embrace the fact that a lot of times we get caught up in, well, I don't know how I'm going to make this happen, or I don't, I have no idea, or I'm not qualified enough, or, or you know, but. People don't understand that God will use you regardless of your resume. He's not looking at your credentials. So therefore, if there is something that you and your heart desires to make happen, it's possible. And I would say it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't know what you can't do yet. That means you can't tell yourself, oh, I can't do this. I don't think I'll be able to do that. Just like a child. I mean, they have a limitless imagination. I don't know. And I don't know how old, or how old I was until I had finally given up on being able to fly one day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> jumping off the couch, you know, with a seat, like, damn, that didn't work. Like, Let me try it this way. You know, so again, I think that we lose our child spirit too early. And that's what hurts us in life and in success. We allow the negative noise of society to basically, um, you know, push us. And, and then we figure out, oh, you know, I can't because. Because of what? You know, never allow anyone, as one of the greats of our time was said, never allow anyone's perception of you to become your reality. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. You know what? It's so weird. Everyone that I've spoke to who is fairly successful, everybody has manifested their life, including myself. I never thought I couldn't. 
I was told that I couldn't, but I all I thought they were oh, lying yeah. to me. <laughs> you know, I thought they were lying to me. I was like, you don't know me. You don't know what I possess inside right. myself. <laughs> right, 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 right. But that is the common denominator between all successful people is they believed in themselves and they manifested their reality. I have yeah, one. I tell myself, I'd be like, don't let me down. Right, right. <laughs> don't play me. <laughs> don't play me. I'll be good to you. Don't play me. I have one last question for you. Yeah. What is something that nobody ever asked you about your journey or yourself that you wish that they would? That's a very good question. Unfortunately, I have been asked pretty much everything under the sun, um, questions I have not wanted to answer. <laughs> um, but one thing I like to focus on more or less is that life really is a do-it-for-yourself project that for a long time I thought that that somebody would help when I was growing up or, you know, even my dad used to tell me, you you keep staying focused, you know, stay focused and, you know, want to be successful, blah, 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 black entrepreneurs will take you under that wing. And I spent a lot of time in the back of my mind, thinking that a lot of the false promises, a lot of the, and we talked about earlier, Hollywood talk. So I think that my advice has always been, is again, like we just said, to believe in yourself. Um, that if it's going to happen, it will only happen at the hands of your own effort. And also, I think one thing we actually didn't touch on that I wanted to share is the importance of uh, how to use social media as a tool. What I'm seeing is a lot of uh, in this whole digital economy and world that we live in, it's really cut into our creativity and our concentration because now, and it's called for many people to become very depressed, they're now spending so much time focused on, you know, or comparing for that matter, their real life, someone's highlight. And social media, I see people, they can be where they are, meaning they've got to have their phone out, they're recording, they're showing, I mean, literally, social media has become the executive producer of our lives. Yes. And we don't know who we are anymore. So sometimes I think it is important to, you know, for me, when I pick up my phone, I'm either inspiring or taking care of this. Every now and then, I might find myself getting lost, because, you know, you go on there, you looking at this and looking at that, but it's, you know, it's very rare. Either I'm inspiring or taking care of this, and I think that we've gotten so caught up in the like before we wanted the person in front of us to like us, but now we want the world to like us. We, we need that attention, and attention is the new currency. More people want to get paid attention than they do actually uh, as it relates to getting paid these days. So that would be more of a warning. That I haven't gotten a chance to talk about much of the, the damage that social media has done um, at the hands of um, the fact that social media is a machine. It's not really built for people. It's an algorithm. It's a system. There's no personal touch. It, it's all about us being content providers and being... Um, you know, staying rather uh, hungry and starving for attention. So, you know, the, uh, the old saying goes, R.I.P., rest in peace, and everybody dying for attention. Yes. You know, and I've even seen with your social media, 
I don't even think you posed for the picture. I'm talking about the going your face. Like, what? You tell the people to lose weight. She's inspiring. She's magic. Where is something? All right, let me go like this. Yeah. So, I, and I can always tell when someone's a giver when you look at their page. I don't you know, have a lot of selfies. You know, I take pictures. Everybody always says, where's the picture of you? I'm like, I don't really do that anymore. Like, I have pictures of my daughter, but I'm not sitting around taking right. selfies of myself. That's kind of weird. It, it is, and it feels. And I only do it that there are people looking for it. Yeah. They they do look for it. And lately, like, people always say, why don't you comb your hair or put on makeup? And I say, because that's not who I am. You guys got used to a character. You know, this is not a character social media page. This is my social media page. So you asked for a selfie. I gave you one of what I really look like. And people are stuck. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. But Cardi's a little, she's a little bit too real for me. She's a lot wilder than, <laughs> than I could ever she, imagine being. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for your time. I know that you're busy and for you to give me your whole morning really means a lot to me. Not just professionally oh, for you. the interview, but personally, because I love you and you don't even know it. Well, I love you, too, and I look forward to meeting you one day, uh, face to face. And um, let's connect very soon, and thank you for interviewing me and allowing me a platform, um, you know, in an avenue and potential genre and readers that wouldn't even know anything about me. So thank you for allowing me to spread my economic evangelism uh, further. The floor is yours, love. All right, thank you. Uh, before we started recording, you had uh, said that you asked a few people, is this guy a fashion designer? Well, <laughs> prophetically, you are correct now. I actually am a fashion designer. Love and, it. Uh, yeah, so you must have seen it before I saw it, right? <laughs> Love it. I'm telling you, baby, you and those jackets. I'm a, I'm an East Coast girl. I'm from Pittsburgh, so I believe in coats and jackets and blazers, and you be killing them blazers. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so the new line is called Far Great Couture, and uh, truly excited, made history. Uh, just did a, and again, this was a very bold, strong statement that I wanted to make, especially in light of the blatant disrespect uh, as relates to Gucci, mm-hmm. uh, to the black community, and still their lack of sensitivity and the BS statement that they mentioned diversity throughout, but didn't even mention that. Well, I didn't see it, and I need to read it again. But I didn't see them address the African-American community or our wounds directly. It was uh, kind of, um, you know, those buzzwords and diversity being one of them. Um, I love what um, an associate of mine, um, who was actually, she sponsored a show I was a part of for many years, uh, Melody House, and through the Aerial Capital Management Fund, who was also um, George Lucas's wife. Um, but she actually spearheaded, uh, which I was more impressed with what she did as it relates to 
outreach with Starbucks and the black community by making them shut down all of their stores and making them train the staff uh, on uh, race relations, sensitivity, how to approach the black community, how to respect our dollars. Because who we give our dollars to is who we give our power to. Mm -hmm. And the great of our time, what's said. So we don't realize that, you know, being um, really what I call one of the top 20 richest nations in the world would really be us when we look at our buying power of over a trillion dollars. Um, so I wanted to communicate the importance when you look at the Asian community, their dollar stays in their community for 30 days. When you look at the Jewish community, um, the dollar stays in their community for 20 days. Whites in general by 17 and us six hours. So therefore, I wanted to make a bold statement uh, that we do luxury well. So I just did a $10 million, 460 carat diamond bejeweled jacket, which is available on Rodale Drive, uh, which also made history. It's one and within a series. Uh, so I actually became the first African-American to have a line bearing their name on Rodale. So um, I wanted to step into fashion, um, and we've got a little bit of everything. We have over... A collection, probably about 40 pieces, uh, dropping within the next few weeks. And this is actually the first interview I've done to talk about that. So it's called Far Gray Couture. And uh, people can visit, you know, Far Gray um, everywhere to, to see it on all social platforms. So this is major. We actually do a men's fashion review because it's a, it's a lifestyle magazine, but it started as a men's lifestyle magazine. Who do I need to get in touch with so I can get some pictures? And we do a whole fashion spread, a whole fashion review on your line. Awesome. I would love that. What I'll do is I will have either Rhonda or... Chanel sent you just shoot me the email address and I'll make sure they get all the pictures and send it over oh my I'm like seriously freaking out because that was going to be my next hunt baby looking for I wanted a black designer that I could do a whole preview of their summer and fall and winter collections I will make sure to get it all to thank you so much for being here with me today World. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.